What's going on, guys? Episode 18 of NFL Unwrapped. This is Perry Aston, joined by Christian McGowan and Corbin Weinerman, as always. What's going on, guys? Hey, how's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us. We have a very special guest, Dean Williams, today joining us to talk a little bit of football, fantasy football, Titans, all types of stuff from him. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Dean. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. It's always a pleasure to sit around and talk football. Make sure to go follow our special guest on Twitter at BadAppleFFB. You can follow our page on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. Follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75 and Corbin on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped. You can listen to our podcast. We transferred this one over to podcast.com now, so make sure to go on there. Or, of course, the Apple Podcast app where we are on. You can go leave us a review and a rating. It's much appreciated, guys. So let's jump right into some crazy news for the NFL. Let's start with Des Bryant and that Achilles injury that he suffered in the second practice for the Saints. So sad to hear. Christian, give me your initial reaction just for Des Bryant going down after there was a lot of anticipation for that signing. I mean, I'm just heartbroken, first of all. I don't think there's a cause. I mean, I think some people will point to the fact of him not playing football as to how he got this Achilles injury. But what it boils down to, at least in my opinion, in playing football is it sucked that it happened two days in. But he's getting old, and this is what happens when you get old, and it's not from not playing football. It's one of those things that's sad. It just makes you realize that athletes are human, and human things happen to them, and there's just some adversity Des Bryant is going to face, and it's unfortunate. I know football fans, we want to see him throw up the X. It was really nice to see the NFL showing their support. I mean, yep. they had, uh, I think it was Jalen Smith even threw it up for the Cowboys. Uh, everyone on the Saints who scored threw up the X. It's just amazing to see this outpour of respect, and I would just love to see him make an actual comeback this year, whether it be with the the Saints again, whether it be with the Cowboys. I actually uh, saw on Twitter someone asked if he was going to resign with the Saints. He said, yes, absolutely. I'm in love with the culture already. And then after the tributes that you just mentioned, everybody throwing up the X, it seemed like a culture that he's already fallen in love with and he's going to go about this rehab process the way the Saints want him to go about it, not with how he's been at home dictating what he's going to do, how he's going to train the way he's going to play, when he's going to play. Now he trusts an organization and he knows that they believe in him, what he brings. Des Bryant is a firecracker and he's a guy that has a ton of talent and is also a lot to handle for his personality. So you need to know what you have. Corbin, give me your opinion on Des Bryant and what you think is going to happen at least next year when he does come back. For anyone who's listened to our podcast before, you know my thoughts on Achilles injuries. I just I think they're devastating. They're the worst injury that you can have in sports and what it does to your athletic ability. I hope this isn't the end of the line for Des in his career. He's, what, 30 years old now, so that's when receivers start to kind of fade anyways. I'm curious, Christian, I want to get your take. Obviously, when he started playing with the Saints, he wasn't in mid-season form like everyone else on the Saints. With your experience having played Division One football, how much more difficult are practices once you get into the middle of the year versus the beginning of the year? And do you think that extra difficulty maybe increased the chances that Des Bryant had of rupturing his Achilles? In terms of difficulty, it gets exponentially easier the longer you go throughout the year. In essence, you should already be in condition shape. You should already know how to play football you're just going over week to week game plan Um, that's why i know this is a freak injury because it could have just as well happened while he's training in any given gym the weeks before just catching passes it's just a freak injury because 
Achilles are also a lot of the time non-contact injuries. Exactly. So it's not like something major happened. This is one of those things you can just be jogging or walking. Could have been dunking a basketball, just messing around. It's, it has nothing to do with the severity of the practice, especially an Achilles injury, like you said, non-contact injury. This could have been during camp. It has nothing to do with the time of the year, but just so people know, especially the, the further you get along in sports, season practices are kind of a joke. It's almost like a glorified walkthrough. There's going to be some contact for the younger guys, but especially with the Rams and how they've gone about it, veterans basically just don't, don't do full con- any contact practice. It's a walkthrough. Now, Dean, are you a Des Bryant fan? Tell me your opinion on his situation. I'm not a Des Bryant fan, but I respect Des Bryant. I think he was a tremendous receiver uh, his career in Dallas, and he's so competitive that it won't surprise me a bit if he rehabs and gets back on the field. I don't know if he can do it this year. I would expect to see him in a Saints jersey next year. I agree. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. And like I said, he's fallen in love with the culture. Before we move on to our next topic, Dean, I want you just to tell our listeners a little bit about your page that, of course, you manage. You're the managing editor of FPC Recruiting and FPC Titans. So we are going to talk a little bit of Titans later on in the podcast, a couple questions we have for him in regards to their season. But Dean, just tell our listeners a little bit about what you do. Sure. FPC Titans is a branch of FullPressCoverage.com. We cover the NFL, we cover the NHL, NBA, MMA, you name it, and you can find some of that at Full Press Coverage. The FPC Titans page is the page that I edit and manage. I have a group of writers that work with me. They're all fantastic. And they're all getting better every article, it seems. They won't need me before long. I'm, I'm serious about true. that. Not true and, at all, uh, ama- but amazing content. <laughs> Definitely, if you haven't checked out Full Press and their Titans page, make sure to go check that out immediately. He's all over it. Indeed, I'm excited to talk a little bit of Titans later on in the podcast. Now, let's talk Le'Veon Bell. Is he the first player to ever register an NFL season? Oh, Jackson. Probably the second closest situation, but... This has to be the worst fantasy pick of all time. Am I right, Corbin? <laughs> I mean, David Johnson got hurt in the first game last year, Perry. Didn't he only give you like seven points? But, I mean, you can't blame the guy. You know, that guy... Bell got someone this year. With Bell, he pretty much just baited everyone into thinking he's the same Le'Veon Bell, healthy, and that he's going to come back. And then people wasted a top five pick on him, and he sat here the whole time in Miami, and now he's just hanging out until the next offseason. And I think that's awesome, actually. So... Good for you, Le'Veon Bell. You saw what happened with Earl Thomas this year with how he came out and played, got injured. That's the risk that you're willing to take, and he's not willing to take it. I just all wish we think he may have went about it a different way. Definitely. Uh, it, I personally, as a former athlete, would have respected it saying, I'm just not going to play. But months and months ago, you know, give your team a fair warning. If you want to get me a replacement in the offseason, go ahead because I'm not going to play for you without a long-term deal. He did that whole... You know, tweeting out the first game date and all that bullshit. And I'm an honest guy. If you don't want to play, you don't have to play. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. But what you do have to do is be honest and be straight up with someone and not leave them on the hook thinking you're going to show up and telling them you're going to show up and then not doing that. That's not right. Totally. Dean, what's your opinion on Le'Veon and him not playing this season? I really think he let his teammates down a little bit. If he had done what you suggested and just tell him, guys, I'm not playing, nothing personal. I can't really blame Bell for doing what he's done the usage rates he's seen in pittsburgh the last few years are just off the chart the odds that he gets hurt in his position are are really high with that kind of usage and maybe he can get a contract next year maybe he can't if he's hurt yep but somebody 
next year we'll take a shot at Le'Veon Bell. I mean, look at Dez. You can get injured in your <clears> second <throat> practice. I don't know how much guaranteed money he got, but if that happened to Le'Veon Bell, I'd hope that he would have some guaranteed money, you know, right. tearing his Achilles in practice. Now, let me talk odds for where Le'Veon Bell is going to end up next year. And then, Corbin, I want to hear your opinion on his future. And this is according okay. to Odds Shark. The Jets plus 300, the Raiders plus 500, Bucks plus 700, Eagles plus 700, Packers plus 750. Now, I want to hear your opinion on his future and what you think about these odds. Are the Colts not on that list? They're not They're not on the top five for odds for Odd Shark, but I'm assuming they're probably sixth or seventh, probably about plus 800, because that is another name yeah. that I've heard as well. But Jets, Bucks, possibly Raiders, but I've been hearing Jets and Bucks a lot. Yeah, I know the Colts have the most salary cap in the league going into next year with about... I think it's around 123 or 127 million in cap space. Jets are second with around um, 103 million in cap space. I really think it's probably going to end up being one of those teams. The Bucks. I feel like the Bucks are pretty far away from contending. So are the Jets, but the difference is that with the Jets, they play in New York, so you need that splash type of free agent if available. You think? When's the last time that a player of Le'Veon Bell's caliber was available? Uh, it's been it's been quite a while. I think my thoughts on Le'Veon Bell and like how he handled this situation. I don't blame him at all for not playing this year because on one hand, yes, he gave up the fourteen point five million, but he's most likely going to get a long term deal where maybe he doesn't get the same fourteen point five million per year, but it's going to be a longer deal. It's just he could have handled this so much differently. And Christian brought up how he tweeted. Um, tweeted out the date of the Steelers' first game this year. Yep, it was the, very immature. Yeah, the deadline for the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell to come to a contract extension agreement had already passed. It was either he signed the franchise tender or he didn't and didn't play that year. So for him to tweet out that date, it's leading on his whole team that he's going to be back when clearly he knows the only outcome. It's either he plays on that tender or he doesn't play at all. I think he could have handled it a lot differently. I understand him not playing this year. I don't blame him at all. As far as the team that I think he plays for next year, I'll say the Colts. I think it makes sense. The Colts have actually looked a lot better than I thought they were going to this year. Andrew Lux looked pretty good. They actually have an offensive line this year. Exactly. Exactly. I know Marlon Mack has looked good in stretches when he's been healthy, but if you can get something like Le'Veon Bell... Uh, the Colts, I mean, in a division that we're going to get to the Titans and that whole division a little later, but there's no clear cut, oh, this is by far the best team in that division, even though we thought the Jaguars yeah. would be that team. Obviously, the Jets are up there. I don't feel like he's going to play for a team that has a really bad offensive line. And the Jets, and uh, as the Raiders go forward, their offensive lines aren't very good. If he's trying to stay healthy, getting behind some hogs like the Colts or the Packers, that seems more likely to me. But also, I'm not making those decisions. I think best suited for him would be the Packers, a team that has an actual offensive line, a team that's not going to use him like the Steelers used him in terms of that usage. But I just don't see him going to a team right off the bat that's going to force him to be behind a crappy offensive line and force him to do... Put the team on his back. There's no reason for that. He wants to be in a perfect complementary role. Yeah. 
You say Packers, and that interests me because I've heard that from somebody as well. And you think, do they have any money left after signing Aaron Rodgers? They do have some money left, and they can create more cap space as well this offseason. And their front office was more aggressive than they've ever been this year in regards to free agency and making moves in the draft. Because they, of Corbin. They killed, yeah, of course, Corbin, who is part <laughs> owner of the Packers. So shout out Corbin, who's made all of these decisions. They killed it in the draft. They really upped their secondary with Josh Jackson and Zaire. And I'm very impressed with what they did in the offseason. Yeah, Jimmy Graham is in the twilight of his career, but that's a big name that you spent some money on and brought in. That shows that you're trying to be aggressive. That shows that you aren't the old Packers anymore. So that's the one spot that I think would be the most exciting for NFL fans, the most mm-hmm. exciting for that division, for Le'Veon, for everybody. That seems like the perfect situation right. if they can make it happen. People are kind of just assuming at this point would be the Jets. Like we keep saying, mm-hmm. the odds are so high. They have the money. They have the money, and they struck out on Kirk Cousins for that sweepstakes this last offseason. So they were really trying to be aggressive. They haven't found their running back. They didn't get Saquon. They didn't go after a guy that wasn't a quarterback this last year. They got Donald. So They're definitely devoid of offensive talent around Sam Darnold. Offensive line, running back, wide receiver. I don't see a true star on that offense. Dean, where do you think he ends up next year? Just which team? I think you bring up a good point about Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck. Those are the two best quarterbacks that really need a running back. Although the running backs in Green Bay have looked better. Uh, Aaron Jones has looked The Colts really are the ones that stand out to me. As much as it pains me since they're in the AFC South with the Titans to say that, I, I really think he ends up in Indianapolis next year. That would make sense. And like Christian was saying, that offensive line led by Quentin Nielsen now, it, it's a wrecking ball. It's uh, helped Andrew Luck perform a lot better this year, in my opinion. Definitely, and it's helped keep him healthy. It's helped keep him on the field. Which it's is like the happy thing. wife, happy life. If you have a good offensive line, your running back and quarterback are going to be pretty freaking happy. Yeah. I wanted to just address the lady on belt, the Packers. I'd be shocked if he's on the Packers. They can create some more cap room. I think Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, both their starting outside linebackers, could be cut this offseason. They got big contracts, could free up a lot of cap room. But um, like Dean said, with the emergence of Aaron Jones. He looked good last year when he finally got um, some playing time, especially when Aaron Rodgers was healthy, which was for a short time. This year, Aaron Jones had the two-game suspension to start the year and then kind of worked his way back. But as they've given him more of a workload, he's performed really well for them. And uh, you look at the Steelers and what they've been able to do without Le'Veon Bell, James Conner has come in and performed even better than Le'Veon Bell did last year. And that kind of just shows... As long as you have a really good offensive line, yes, their front office is more aggressive with them switching general managers last offseason, but if they're going to be aggressive, think that they would be aggressive in other areas and just stick with what they have at running backs. Yeah, we'll see what goes on with the Le'Veon Bell situation. It's a weird one at the very least. We're going to move yeah. on to Larry Fitzgerald passing Terrell Owens for second most receiving yards all time this last week. The updated list, number one, Jerry Rice with 22,895. Two, Larry Fitzgerald with 15,939. Terrell Owens, 15,934. Randy Moss, 15,292. And Isaac Bruce, 15,208. I want to bring up before we jump into Larry Fitzgerald, Jerry Rice is at 22, almost 23,000. And number two is almost at 16,000, Larry Fitzgerald. That is a very big disparity, 6,000 yards separating Jerry Rice and everybody else behind him. So that shows how elite... 7,000, yeah. Yeah, exactly, since he's almost at 23, almost 7,000, 6.5. That's 
absolutely insane. The disparity there, it shows how amazing, how elite Jerry Rice was and how we'll never see another guy quite at that level, in my opinion. That's like a track meet. Was he just like running? It was dump, a dump pass, 90 yards. Like that is an insane amount of yards. That has to be like the distance to the sun or something. I don't know. That's insane. But I want to bring up a couple accolades <laughs> for Larry Fitzgerald. 11 Pro Bowls for him and first team All-Pro in 2008. Just such a classy guy on the field too. You can tell such a leader and everyone that has ever played with Larry Fitzgerald has nothing but positive things to say about him. Terrell Owens, a guy who just made it into the Hall of Fame, of course went in at his own leisure on his own way, but he just passed Terrell Owens and is right behind Jerry Rice where he's going to stay behind. So that's very good company. And if Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, they all are Hall of Fame caliber wide receivers there should be no reason at all why larry fitzgerald isn't either dean do you have any opinion on larry fitzgerald because he's been playing for a real long time so the consistency and longevity is so rare just want to hear what you think about larry legend larry fitzgerald's one of my favorite guys i remember watching him at the university of pittsburgh play and thinking he was going to have a heck of a career if he'd had more consistent quarterback play throughout his career he might actually challenge rice but the way things have been in Arizona, it's been tough. The Drew I think he's only years. missed like six games in the last 15 years. And he's still putting up you know, over 1,000 yards pretty much every single season. He hasn't really slowed down too much, even with, like you said, not having the best quarterbacks. Yeah, he had Kurt Warner for a bit, but besides that, I can't think of one guy that's helped Larry Fitzgerald. If anything, he's... Carson Palmer? No, I think it'd be the other way around. I think Larry Fitzgerald helped make Carson Palmer. I think Larry Fitzgerald gave Matt Leinart his only good year or two. I think Drew Stanton is still in the NFL because he had Larry Fitzgerald to throw to. There's a lot of situations here where I think Larry Fitzgerald helped out that quarterback, and it wasn't the other way around. Do you agree? No, he's just a super consistent guy. And Go back to the Hall of Fame... He's going to get in there first try no matter what. He's been such a, you know, even-headed guy. He's been an amazing off the field. He No problems. He was uh I know I remember when John McCain had passed away. He had, they had some weird close friendship and he all the outreach they had done together. It's just crazy that amount of impact and how hard he's tried not only on the field but off the field and I More I, I I can't just speak enough on how much of a fan that I've been and whatever he puts out going forward, I'm just going to be about it. Hats off to Larry Fitzgerald. Corbin, let's talk Michael Thomas. I want to hear your opinion on another big milestone here, surpassing Odell Beckham Jr. for the most catches by a player in his forced 40 games in NFL history. He currently sits at 274. Odell set that record at 266. What do you think about Michael Thomas? Is he Does he have the potential to be one of the best receivers of all time? A Hall of Fame receiver. I'm not going to say one of the best of all time. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to go down as a better receiver than Michael Thomas. It's just that record that Michael Thomas broke, he'll get broken again by someone um, probably within a few years. And that's not to say that that player is going to be better than Michael Thomas. It's just the way that the game has evolved with a lot more passing. Yeah, um, I agree. Absolutely. It, yeah, it's just it's going to keep happening. That's not to take anything away from Michael Thomas. He's had an incredible career so far an incredible year this year and he's going to continue to get better um i know christian and i were having a conversation a few weeks ago where um christian was saying like who would you rather want wide receiver in the nfl than michael thomas or 
I think we're talking about who was more athletically gifted than him. But I brought up Julio Jones, who he's right there for the differences. Julio Jones is on the back nine of his career. And he's, aller- uh, and he's allergic to the end zone, too. There's a big difference. His allergies act yeah, up when he I, gets in the red zone. I mean, the whole thing. Yeah, I, that goes back to quarterback. But like, you look at Julio Jones, he should have so many more touchdowns than he does. And I just think I agree. Matt Ryan as a quarterback is way overrated if you take Julio Jones off of that team, Matt Ryan is a below-average quarterback. I but, agree. Uh, you take away Kyle Shanahan, you shouldn't even be starting. No, I'm kidding. I mean, yeah. Michael Thomas, I have nothing but positive things to say about him. Since he's came in the league, he's been one of my favorite personal players to watch. I love his demeanor on the field. He doesn't talk mm-hmm. a lot like Odell does, and like a lot of these guys, he's a little more quiet, but at the same time, he holds it down. You can still see him getting feisty, getting in people's faces. But he just puts out the numbers, and he's in the perfect offense for him. You know, Drew Brees, this is one of the situations that we were just talking about Larry Fitzgerald helping out other quarterbacks. I think this is just each other helping each other out. Michael Thomas makes Drew Brees a better quarterback, if that's even possible, and he honestly makes Michael Thomas the receiver that he is. I think with Odell Beckham Jr., what's so impressive is to see him still going balls to the wall week in and week out putting up these numbers in such an atrocious offense with a quarterback that I don't believe should still be playing quarterback in the league anymore not that he's on Nathan Peterman's level or anything like that but at the same time you can't say that Odell Beckham Jr. is getting helped out right now he's the one finding ways to if he's going to get one catch for nine yards in the game it's going to be a touchdown you know he's going to be that guy that's forcing his own production out there so I think that's a testament to, I, I know that Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the greatest because I see what's going on right now. With Michael Thomas, you can't tell because he's gifted with such a beautiful offense. But that's coming sooner rather than later. I mean, Drew Brees is – I mean, he, I don't think he'll allow himself to decline like Eli will. But he's going to retire sooner rather than later. So right. he's going to have to play with a quarterback who's either going to be devoid of talent or just fresh out the womb. From college. Well, they got Teddy Bridgewater there, who actually is highly praised in the organization and is not coming off a bad year from before he got injured. And with the Jets, people were thinking he was going to be starting for a second. So who knows what they're grooming there, if that is anything at all. It could just they, be they paid a the third meantime. round pick for it. Yeah, so. we'll see. I mean, just wanted to bring that up. Uh, one more thing that I wanted to bring up milestone wise was Frank Gore eclipsing 500 yards rushing for a 14th straight season, a new NFL record. 500 yards, yeah, we're not saying the guy's going for two grand every single year, but this is the epitome of consistency. At least 500 yards every single year, no matter the injury, no matter the team, no matter the situation, he always will get you at least 500 yards, chugging it out. And I was reading something on Twitter. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, It said, scientists believe the first person to live to 200 years old has already been born. And someone quoted it and said, yes, it's Frank Gore. (laughs) And I I thought it was hilarious because... He's not slowing down at all. That is just, oh my God, I can't even say enough good things about Frank Gore. His his career starting at the University of Miami. He's in a Miami Dolphins uniform now, just the perfect way to end it. He's still being productive, making Kenyon Drake look useless half the time. So Frank Gore, round of applause to you. And Dean, I just want to you know, hear any comments that you have about Frank Gore. Just this is the Frank Gore praise session right here. So I want to hear what you have to say about him. I think Frank Gore has done a tremendous thing coming back from the injury that he took in that national championship game against Ohio State. He's just amazing. It's insane. And it's not just that. You can see what a great person he is off the field and what a great leader he is. He's just like Larry Fitzgerald. Just in the same exact regard, I can make a better comparison 
to the same type of leadership, the same type, obviously not the same exact personality, but the longevity, the consistency, what they've done off the field, how reliable they are. They never cause any issues. They don't have any kind of tabloids surrounding them at all. Two of the classiest guys in the NFL that are obviously going to be ending their career within the next year or two. But I just feel blessed to still be able to watch him run a ball, to watch Larry Fitzgerald get up and go in the slot position in the twilight of his career. It's it's a blessing. Corbin, Frank Gore comments. What do you got for me? It's incredible that he's still playing and playing at this level. I've probably for like the last five or six years, I thought, okay, like that's got to be the last productive year for him. Um, when he left the 49ers and went to the Colts, I thought, okay, he's going to have like one, maybe two years in Indianapolis play below average and then call it a career and somehow some way he's continuing to be productive and he's taking snaps away from Kenyon Drake who I think is a pretty good running back I agree Uh, so for Frank Gore to be able to do that that shows the confidence that his coach has in him and he's proving with every single game that yeah he still deserves to be a running back that gets touches every single game um I want to ask you guys a question really quickly before we move on um Christian, you were talking about Drew Brees and succession plan for him with Teddy Bridgewater. I want to bring up a different quarterback that um, is even more legendary than Drew Brees. Tom Brady, um, past three games, he's had, I think, a completion percentage under 60% each one of his games after the previous four games before that, having above 60% in each one. Um, I mean, just watching him play, it seems like his arm talent has kind of dropped off pretty quickly. Um, he's only had one touchdown pass over these past three games. Do you guys, all three of you, Dean, Perry, and Christian, do you guys think that uh, this is something that the Patriots should be concerned about this year, or is this just he's hitting a rough patch in the middle of the season? No, I've, I've been scared for a couple of years This is something now. they should have been preparing for, and they did do correctly with Jimmy Garoppolo, and then they tra- yeah, that. Trading away Jacoby Brissett, and Jimmy Garoppolo and having a Brian Hoyer as your backup would keep me awake at night. Tom Brady is closer to the end of his career than the start. I think we can all agree that. He's, yeah. 40, he's 41 years old. How much longer do you expect him to be playing at the highest well, level was, of his career? He was saying until he's 45. Yeah, you, you can say I, whatever you I want, and if you yeah. want to give him the rest of that career, you can. But if you are going at it as an organization that you want to win a Super Bowl year in and year out, you know, there becomes a point, just like with Brett Favre, you know, the team, and maybe you still believe you can play. Maybe that means Tom Brady pulls a Brett Favre and goes somewhere else. But there comes a point where the New England Patriots are going to have to decide what's best for the team. And they didn't do that last year, like Christian said, trading away two young quarterbacks that were behind him. It's baffling they couldn't even think about keeping one. I don't even know what the plan is, just like Christian said. What do you do, bring another veteran in on right. a short deal to back up Tom Brady just in case he goes down. You have someone else with the potential to go down. You don't have any kind of future plan. You don't have your fans rallying around the future. You know, look at the Ravens right now. You got Lamar Jackson potentially playing this week, and if not, he'll be playing probably the week after if Robert Griffin III can't hang on to that job. But Lamar Jackson is the future for the Ravens. They made that decision last year because they're going to have to commit a lot of money to Joe Flacco this year. So they decided, yeah, probably Joe Flacco's the best quarterback talent-wise right now that you can go get at the open market. Because, And I'm not saying Joe Flacco's elite by any means, but 
who's available. You know, you're going to be grabbing backup quarterbacks. You're not going to be grabbing a guy who's won a Super Bowl. Not that it might be all him, but he won a Super Bowl. He can put up decent numbers, but they already have made that decision as an organization that maybe they might be, they should be dedicated to Flacco, but that's not the in the best interest to win. So they already made their plans. They already got Lamar Jackson, and now they're kind of just letting it play out because they already had that in the back of their pocket. That's what the Patriots had, and now they abandoned the plan. Did Tom Brady convince them out of it? Like, oh, no, I'm good. Check my physical. Like, I don't know what you could have said to make pro football personnel, scouts, anybody that plays the game of football or has been doing this for years that, oh, no, I'm fine. My longevity has never been better. That's not a thing. It's impossible. And to go back to what you said, Corbin, when you watch the games, yeah, the downfield arm strength is starting to become a question to me, and a lot of their offensive game plan is checkdowns, which it has been for a while, but he's just throwing a lot of screen passes, a lot of really easy passes. I know there's the guy on Twitter that makes fun of all of Tom Brady's oh, throws, like, oh I my god, so elite. It's like Barry McCrocker. Yeah, right? and he, oh, look at him, he cheered on James White to score a touchdown, that's an elite quarterback. He'll, he'll but, be breaking down film, and he'll be like, <laughs> oh, did I not mention he's 41 years old, like, 18 times throughout But there's the there's a shred of truth, because those are a lot of the plays that end up yearning him, like, a lot of yards, and when there's throws I've seen this year where he really has to make a good quarterback play... And necessarily hasn't been there. And so it does not only the age, the numbers, and the depth chart, the actual film is starting to scare me now. So the situation to me is is critical. Christian said this on episode one of NFL and Rap when we were recording around the Super Bowl when we started up this podcast. And he said the Patriots are in trouble, the demise of the Patriots is near, and really went in depth far be far before any of the crap came out for the Patriots in the offseason. This was a call that Christian made, and it's still true. It's still showing. It's not like this is breaking news. You know, the Patriots made one wrong move. This is a, you know, they realize how many hits they take on the offensive line this offseason, how many people they lost, Nate Solder, Cameron Fleming, so many people that protected Tom Brady. They have Sony Michelle in there now, of course, who has been in and out of the lineup with injuries and productive when he does play. James White, he's been playing very well. Yeah, don't get me wrong, the Patriots have a flurry of receivers, a flurry of offensive weapons, running backs. It doesn't matter who you put with the Patriots, you know they're going to succeed. But how much longer is this going to keep going? Because... The, half the reason was Tom Brady. The other half was Bill Belichick. Now Tom Brady's starting to only be able to do so much. Bill Belichick is clearly has his foot out of the door. You know, sometimes Josh, and he's in uh, Josh with Josh McDaniels. They clearly convinced him to sign his life what, away. Whatever they told him, they had to have told him that he will be the head coach sooner rather than later well, because he's he tarnished. won't coach anywhere he's tarnished, his per- he's tarnished his reputation. He can't coach anywhere. So it's Christian's completely right. They said Bill Belichick has one or two years left. Josh McDaniels, you're the perfect guy to take over. You're, you know, come back. We're going to promise you this unofficially. It's, I'm convinced. I know Christian is too. There, there are three things about that. I do think the Patriots... For whatever reason, made a mistake when they traded traded Brissett and Garoppolo away. Both that doesn't make any sense to me. But, no sense. But New England does what New England does. The second thing is that he's been without Gronkowski a lot of those games where he struggled, and they do have a lot of weapons in New England, but nobody has a Gronkowski. Even the other elite tight ends are a little bit different than Gronk, the Kelsey's and Ertz and. I'd even put Kittle in that category, uh, the way he's been playing this year. They're just not as physical as Gronk is. And the three games we're talking about, Buffalo is ranked second in passing yards allowed. Green Bay is ranked fifth 
and Tennessee six. So it's not like Brady. Brady has lost a step and some arm strength. There's no doubt. You can see that. I still think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the game based on agree. who he's played lately. His decision-making ability will make him better than just half of the quarterbacks in the league alone. Yeah, I agree. His IQ and experience. I agree with that. And he's also in a beautiful system. Bill Belichick in that system. It continues to evolve with how things are changing with the NFL nowadays. It's exciting to see how even Bill Belichick is starting to become more creative. But... Mm. It's a longevity thing. How much longer can he keep this going? Speaking of being creative, stop throwing Tom Brady the fucking ball. He does not need to be running with the football. Throw it. Stop. Please stop. Stop trying to get him the football in space. It's not a thing. You couldn't couldn't have said it better. Uh, Dean, so let's answer some Titans questions just about kind of how you feel about the season so far and their chances to make the playoffs at this point. My feeling so far about the season, I think the Titans have really played to the level of competition. Uh, Jacksonville and Philadelphia and New England all wins for the Titans. They they played very well in those games, but the, some of the games they've lost, they lost to Miami. They lost to Buffalo, games they probably shouldn't have lost. They've got to be more consistent. I think we've, we're starting to see that. They had a shot to beat the Chargers in London. I don't know, I might have taken my 6'5 quarterback and just had him run straight ahead instead of throwing the football there. But but Vrabel has been uh, a different kind of leader for the Titans this year. He's, so far, I'm, I'm happy with what I've seen. I like Vrabel. I, I think he's a player's coach, and I think he's a guy that's it's going to take a little bit before he truly gets a hold of this team and creates a culture there. But I think so far, so good. And with Marcus Mariota's injuries so far, it's been up and down. What do you think about their chances to make a playoff run with Mariota now starting to look a little bit healthier? I really like the chances for the Titans to make the playoffs and even win the division with Mariota healthy. It's hard to throw a football when you can't grip it, when you can't feel it. And that's the thing he was dealing with this year. He's shown he can be accurate. He's shown he can make good decisions. He's not being asked to throw for 350 yards in this offense. They pick their spots. They want to win with good defense, which the defense has really taken up Vrabel and Coach Dean Pease's scheme really quickly. They are really playing good football. And not, offense, Malcolm, Malcolm Butler is not playing. Malcolm Butler is not playing at a very high level. To be honest, the entire defense, besides <laughs> Malcolm Butler, has been playing very high. And Malcolm Butler has been a bit of a liability with all the money they put down on him this offseason. But if he can get it together with the defense as cur- currently constructed. That's a defense that can make some headway. I totally agree. That's Mike Vrabel's stamp right there. Yeah, I agree with that. Butler has not played well. He has been the weak link in that chain. Now, they only threw at him twice last week. New England, both were completions, but they only threw at him twice. I don't know if that was a scheme issue or a pressure issue. If you can, you guys know, if you can pressure the quarterback, you're, you're going to buy some time for your defensive backfield. 100%. So I, I'm hoping that Butler will start to pick it up a little bit. I truly believe he will. I think Butler's a very good player. Coming off a weird season last year, but did you know break the bank a little bit. So even if it's not right this second, he's got a couple years on the contract. I think next year will be a little bit of a brighter spot for him dealing with this team. No, I agree. It, it seems to me that when I watch it, he's in his own head. He's second-guessing what needs to be natural. So once he gets over other people getting on him and gets back to doing what made him famous, I think that he'll be he, – the talent's there. He, it, it hasn't gone away. I just think that he needs to. It's all. It's all you know. Emotion. It's all anxiety, and that's the thing. Is some athletes, 
they just need to, they need to get shaken up a little bit. They need to go through these kinds of things to, you know, be better on the other side. And I really just hope that he comes out of this a better football player. I agree with that. I, I think our big test will be next week at Indianapolis. We'll test him. Oh, uh, he'll test. He'll, he'll throw his way. I have a quick question for you, though, something we didn't have written down, but I thought of just off cuff. When they signed Dion Lewis, I mean, I drafted him in fantasy. I was very scared. But it seems like he is getting used as the primary running back in this offense. Do you agree with how they've used Dion Lewis more than Derrick Henry? And how do you see that running back situation going forward in the future? When they first signed Lewis, I really thought you'd see something like Freeman and Coleman in Atlanta. I, I really thought they would use him similarly to that. But that just has not been the case. They're asking Deion Lewis to do the things that he does best. And Derrick Henry, the big thumper out of the backfield, the short yardage guy, he hasn't been able to get on the field a whole lot because Lewis has played, in a few games, played pretty well. And he's starting to play better better recently. I think Lewis is the clear-cut number one back at this point, even yeah. though Henry scored two touchdowns last week. I totally agree. The snap percentage isn't even close. Derrick Henry's not seeing the field often. Like you said, it's very situational. You're going to have to pray that he gets a one-yard chance because if it's even within three or four yards of the touchdown, they're going to still roll with Dion yes. Lewis. You can throw him like a little pass There's or a lot more option there with him in the backfield, a lot more flexibility to run. The run-pass option with Mariota and him both being such good athletes, it's a lot more possibility there instead of with Derrick Henry where you kind of assume they're going to be running it every time. And to Derrick Henry's defense, I don't think he's ever really gotten the full shot to be the number one running back. I mean, they had DeMarco Murray right before this, and they still were in that you know tandem situation. Where I honestly thought he kind of outshined DeMarco Murray in certain situations. Well, that's and why everyone thought he was going to take over this year, really yeah. take that number that's, one. That's why that's what I thought he was going to, and I drafted him in fantasy football. Yeah, thank you, because I got Dion Lewis, who, yeah, and, and yeah. He, like you said, the amount of money they gave him, it was very weird, because that amount of money, Der- how well Derrick Henry did, I was, I thought you, uh, what you said, Dean, you know, a Tevin Coleman and that's Devontae a Freeman. perfect comparison. That, that's to- exactly what I thought, totally but agree. Dion Lewis runs this offense, I mean, he is a really cool piece to have in your offense, and it's really comforting to see that a small guy can be the lead back, because I think all of our natural intentions are is... Big back number one, small back number two, and he's you know kind of a wide receiver as well. But yeah. he he really is the leader. He's getting what nineteen ish touches a game, yeah. and that, on top of the passing, it's it's good to see that there are some offenses that aren't afraid to put a small springy guy as their number one running back full time. One more question for you, Dean. I know you mentioned with Marietta being healthy, they have a chance to make the playoffs and make a run. Do they have enough to make a Super Bowl run? I know it's going to take a little bit of a Cinderella story, but do they have the roster with Mariota healthy to be able to make a Super Bowl run? And if not, what do the Titans need to do this offseason to get there? I think they have enough that they can make a run. And like you said, a lot of things would have to break right. Uh, Cinderella or, or however you would like to put it. The thing they have to do is stay healthy. Uh, Jack Conklin, who is an all-pro tackle, has been... In and out all year. I think that's part of the reason why Lewis has seen so many touches. Going through the new zone blocking scheme that LaFleur runs, he just transitions into that better than Henry, who you hand the ball to and he hits the hole. And That offense works better because Derrick Henry is more of a power style runner where Deion Lewis being in the spread, he can slip into those holes and really crack back or, you know, hit it out the front side. Exactly. Exactly. The th- the injuries, and the other thing that concerns me is the receiving core. Corey Davis had a breakout game against the Patriots, but he's done that before this year, and then 
didn't follow it up with a whole lot. Corey Davis has to be that number one guy. Tajay Sharp or Taewon Taylor one has to be that number two guy. And you're starting to finally see Jonu Smith get involved in the passing game a little bit. Yep. With uh, the injury to Delaney Walker, I think it's really put the offense behind where they would be if he had been healthy all year. He is a big piece of that team. I think one of the most underrated injuries of the year. He's been the leader of this Titan squad. So to see Jono Smith catching a touchdown in two straight games, it's definitely positive for the Titans, for fantasy football owners, because of the fact that fantasy football is a tight end wasteland. If you're outside of, like you said, Gronkowski, Ertz, Kelsey, and the Kittle Skittle, you know, you are looking at flyers week in and week out. You just have to get lucky one week consistency. The next week it's not. There hasn't been one other guy that's really established himself as a consistent week in and week out guy for you at the tight end position. Even guys like Kyle Rudolph who have been a staple in the past. I mean, I drafted him. I'm sitting on him right now. And he's in like, a great position in an exactly. offense with Minnesota. So you expected an uptick in production. No. It's just the tight end curse this year. I don't know what you want to label it as, but unless you – tied yourself up to a big-name tight end. You're taking a chance week in and week out. Thank you so much, Dean, for taking the time with us to join us and talk football, talk Titans, and a little bit of season predictions. Corbin, it's great to have you back on. I know he's been a bit busy, and we're going to be you know, rededicating at least to the NFL one. It's our second episode in the last week, so definitely staying a little bit more on top of it with this crazy season. A lot of crazy news going on right now. Le'Veon Bell, thank you so much for giving me so much to talk about this year and still not touching <laughs> still not touching the field. So I think you are one of the biggest trolls of all time. You're hilarious. Just going to shout that out personally. As a football fan, I'm just trying to see you take snaps again. Dez, you keep working. Do not listen to Corbin. Corbin has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. You you can come back from an Achilles injury. Right. Absolutely. I don't care if it's 75%, but you're coming back. You're going to be throwing up the X again. I don't care if it's two touchdowns a year. You're throwing the X up again. Corbin's wrong. Corbin is going to the Packers consign. I hope I end up being wrong. But yes. I don't think I will. Yes. But, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in today to Episode 18 of NFL Unwrapped. You can follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. You can follow our special guest, Dean Williams, on Twitter at Bad. Apple FFB. Go follow his page at FPC underscore Titans. Make sure to go check out his FPC recruiting site as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Dean. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Corbin. Such a pleasure to be back talking football. If you have any fantasy football questions, make sure you hit up me or hit up Adam for FFB Unwrapped. Right now, we have the fantasy football playoffs creeping up. I'm on a little bit of a slide lately. Christian and Corbin are red hot, so I'm going to Give them a shout-out for how great they're doing in fantasy. I'm still Thank you. figuring things out right now. I know, yeah. Dean, you're a fantasy guy, too. How's your fantasy season going for you right now? Not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Well, happy huntings in the playoffs. Yep. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. I'll probably hit you up later on in the year or next to put you on the Fantasy Football Podcast with me as well. But thank you guys so much for listening to Episode 18 of NFL Unwrapped. We will catch you guys next time.